Hey everybody, this is Luna Tan, and this is Dwayne Paris. You are listening to Clubotech Publishing Radio. Here we talk about what's happening in the publishing industry today, share stories and insights from publishers, and discuss how we can shape the future of publishing. Hey, this is Luna. This is Dwayne. Welcome to the seventeenth episode of Clopatech Publishing Radio, and today we are very excited to have Bradley Matlock with us. Bradley is the CEO of Project Voice and general partner of Project Voice Capital Partners. Project Voice drives global business for voice tech and conversational AI companies. Bradley is cited as a top voice and AI thought leader. Luna, Dwayne,、yeah. thank you for having me on. I'm I'm honored to be part of Clopatech Radio. It's really nice to have you here today with us, Bradley. So first of all, could you tell us a little bit about your experience? How did you get into the field of voice technology and AI, and then decide to make a career out of it? Sure. Yeah. No, it wasn't.、Um, it wasn't a linear path. I'll put it that way. So. You know, and again, thanks for having me on. Clopatech's been a great partner of ours with Digital Book World. I know we'll talk about that later in the show.、Uh, just a great company, and great to see what y'all are doing with this show and this podcast. So I'm Bradley. You know, I'm CEO of Project Voice, and you know, I got into voice technology and what's called conversational AI in a strange way. So I had started an unrelated business back in 2008 in Nashville. And I sold it in 2013, and so I was, you know, I, I had to remain available to the new buyers of that business, and I couldn't just rush into something new. So, what I did is I started accumulating some new skills, and I started learning new things. And、um, one of the things I had always been interested in learning about is publishing.、Um, I'm fascinated by the fact that we live in a time where the gatekeepers on Storytelling and publishing are the lowest they've been in human history, and what that means for us as a society. And so I started a company called Score Publishing, and we got into a, a lot of different content creation work and a lot of different interactive technologies and cutting edge sort of things. And that led to you know about 2016 people asking me. At that point, we were a trusted partner of a number of clients. What's up with Alexa? What is this? Why should I care? And I said,、uh, I don't know, and I don't want you to ask me that. <laughs> But the fact is that、uh, that only made it happen more. And the more I learned about Alexa and and just voice technology in general, the more fascinated I became. Because the fact of the matter is that you know when we're born, even before we're born. All we have is our mother's voice, and then as we develop as a human being, we develop our inner voice, which guides us the rest of our life. And obviously, our physical spoken voice is paramount to who we are as human beings too. Voice is just integral to our humanity. So it always stood to reason that as technology evolved over time, it would arc toward being voice driven, voice oriented, what we refer to as voice first. And that was just a powerful realization for me that spurred a lot of investment of time, energy, resources, and money.、Uh, I created Voice First FM, which is our podcast network. In 2017, today that network is heard across 56 countries.、Um, I started This Week in Voice, which is our flagship show. 
which is in season six now. Our biggest guest has been Mark Cuban. We've been fortunate to have a lot of other executives on the show as well. We have a thriving consulting practice called Project Voice Catalyst. We have a slew of events we do called the Project Voice Series. And now, just recently, I and a partner of mine have started what we call Project Voice Capital Partners, which is a $20 million venture capital fund that targets early stage companies writing the first check to top tier founders in this emergent space. You know, one thing leads to another. Nothing more complicated than that. I just uh, found an interesting rabbit hole and, and continue to dive uh, to the bottom of it. So that's, that's about it. Interesting journey to the point where you are now. <laughs> you published an article in the Harvard Business Review titled, Your Company Needs a Strategy for Voice Technology. In there, you discuss voice force technology and its impact on all aspects of life. How do you define voice force technology and how should our audience understand it? Yeah, so it was fun to work with Harvard Business Review on that piece and certainly gotten a lot of mileage out of that. And it's, it's still true today. Every company needs a strategy for voice technology. It's going to be true the rest of our lives. And voice first technology is defined as technology, whether it's your computer your microwave oven, your refrigerator, your laundry machine, your printing press, uh, your uh, manufacturing line, your car, where you engage with that technology first with your voice. And then only when that is insufficient or fails that you touch, tap, and swipe a mobile device or you get the QWERTY keyboard out and mouse and you use that to interact with technology or some other type of interface. You know, the idea is that voice should be sufficient to interact with the majority of technology. And that doesn't mean audio only. In fact, most situations, it will mean multimodal. It'll mean screens and other visuals with it. Um, and we've seen a lot of that over the last couple of years come to the forefront. But that's really what that means is that the mind it's a bit of a mindset shift from any technology I interact with. I've got to use this thing someone just made up one day, this QWERTY keyboard, getting rid of that and, and instead thinking, you know what? I can probably control just about everything with my voice and then have that be true. Um, and that's the direction we're going. And, you know, voice interfaces have come a long way. I think, you know, your question, how should we think about this or parse it, you know, you go back to the beginning of Alexa, um, one of the things that made Alexa so revolutionary is that voice interfaces at that point, they were okay, but they weren't great. And Alexa really did a very good job of taking the technology the last mile and helping galvanize a lot of end-user adoption that just didn't exist to that point. And what's happened since then is that you know, when people speak to Alexa, when they speak to Google Assistant or, or Siri or whatever, they they now expect the computer to understand them. And you go back five years ago, if you speak to some voice assistant, you expect the absolute 180 degree opposite for it not to understand. So think about how much has gone into that change, being a totally diametrically opposed reality than what it used to be. And it, what it's done is it's paved the way for voice technology to 
play a really important role in evolving every single industry that exists. Healthcare, hospitality, automotive, gaming, publishing, everything. And that's where we are. So that's, uh, that's how I look at that, uh, what the technology is and where it is. I really appreciate how you interpret the concept of voice versus technology. And I do love how uh, you started up your business from a very curiosity-driven approach. And I think it takes lots of braveness because we are today talking about um, publishing. And it was amazing to see how the voice technology can be applied to whole lots of aspects of our life. And we can also say in recent years that the publishing industry has achieved remarkable growth, especially in the audiobook market, so which stimulated content creators to develop and utilize voice technology more and more. So could you talk about some of the cutting-edge technologies that we have been uh, used in the, uh, in the audiobook creation? What are some of them that are already in widespread use and what are others that are going to be emerged? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And, um, you know, the, the most obvious use case is with audiobooks, as far as the intersection of voice and publishing is concerned, because this is an area that is entirely voice driven, um, is the creation of audiobooks. And it's also an area that's expensive and it's an area that takes a lot of time. And so voice interfaces and voice technology being this front door for artificial intelligence and machine learning, it creates the opportunity anywhere that operational inefficiency exists and a lot of friction exists for voice and AI to come in and change that. And, you know, the rub with audiobooks is, well, if there's audiobook solutions where you can have a synthetic voice, which pretty much sound as good as human beings now, most people could never tell the difference between a high-end synthetic voice and a human voice like they could a few years ago. The rub on that is that you're going to put physical narrators out of business. And uh, you absolutely will put some of them out of business. The best ones, uh, it's, it's going to do what technology always does. It's going to make the best at uh, any given vocation incredibly valuable, even more valuable than they used to be. And then it's going to take the bottom half of people who were just kind of marginal at the job, and it's going to absolutely uh, take their business to zero. It's going to be interesting to watch. I, you know, I, I say it with no judgment. It's just what's going to happen. And so what's important is thinking about what the repercussions of that will be and uh, what the silver lining of that is. And one of the silver linings of that is that audiobooks are going to become way more prevalent than they already are. The publishing industry looks at audiobooks and says, wow, how many more of these can we possibly create? But the reality is that tons of backlist and tons of books don't have audiobooks, stuff that's self-published, all sorts of documents, even get outside of the realm of just a book book and think about how many documents would benefit from having an audio version and where it's just totally cost ineffective to have somebody narrate that or whatever. If you have a, a synthetic voice with a conversational AI behind it, now the accessibility of all kinds of stuff opens wide. 
And that's exactly what's going to happen. And so that's the trade-off we're about to make, and we are making now, is that, yes, the audiobook narration and production industry is being disrupted significantly, and that's going to just get worse over the next three to five years. But there's societal outcomes that will be viewed as beneficial to come out of that, too. You know, there's other areas where it's going to be helpful. Uh, Voice has got really interesting applications in manufacturing contexts. So with printers and other binderies and things like that, uh, you're going to see voice in combination with some graphics, maybe AR layered on top of it. In some cases, maybe just the voice interaction that will streamline how factories work and production works. And then, you know, uh, there's a marketing angle to it as well, where increasingly people want to be able to speak to websites and speak to mobile apps. And uh, you already see it with some of the biggest mobile apps and web experiences that exist, things like YouTube and Spotify, but um, which are media implementations. So you can go to YouTube right now and click the search bar. There's a microphone next to it. You can just speak to it and find exactly what you want. You do the same thing in Spotify. And the end user is rapidly becoming accustomed to the greatly increased ease of search and ease of use that that brings. And eventually that will become standard across everybody producing any sort of content, you know, every publisher, small, medium, or large. So, you know, those are a few obvious examples. There's some that are a little bit less obvious than that. Everywhere you have a voice assistant, whether there's a voice assistant in nursing homes or senior living facilities or a voice assistant in the car, a voice assistant in your hotel room, these are going to create needs for content and increased demand for content, which is going to consequently increase bottom line revenues for a, a lot of different publishers. And so publishers in particular with how voice has iterated to the point of it really works well now, it's opened the door for content in a new way and publishers are going to benefit directly from that. So the implications for, for the publishing industry and the media content industry with what's happening with voice and AI are absolutely massive, impacted in every conceivable way and um, and aren't gonna stop. It's just gonna continue to get more profound. Yes, we are seeing voice tech all over the place these days. And I know we are kind of focusing on publishing today and you touched on some of it, but could you tell us a bit more about the wider range of the voice tech application outside of publishing? Sure. Uh, how much time you got? <laughs> <laughs> you know, some of the some of the use cases I, I found interesting from almost the very beginning, and I talk about this in talks I give almost every single time. You know, it's funny that we live in this so-called information age. Uh, where we're surrounded by technology, but the reality and the truth of it is that people have never been more alone than they are now. We live isolated and depressed lives, and this was before the pandemic came along, much less during it. And interestingly, there's two groups of people that are more isolated and more depressed than everybody else. College freshmen and senior citizens. And it's been observed almost from the very beginning of smart speakers, you know, when Amazon rolled out the Echo, 
that if you put a smart speaker into a college freshman dorm room or the living abode of a senior citizen in a you know either aging in place at home or in a, a living facility, a nursing home or wherever, it may not be causal, but some interesting things start to happen almost immediately. For college freshmen, they become more participatory in their environment. Uh, they attend class more. They have a better disposition. They make better grades and they kill themselves less. For senior citizens, very similar outcomes are observed where better disposition, uh, more active, more engaged with the environment, more participatory, critically uh, better drug adherence to their prescription drug regimens, and die less, uh, better health outcomes uniformly across the board. And like I said, it's not believed to be causal necessarily. You know, that's, that's really continuing to be studied, but the correlation uh, between these two things is very high. And it's fascinating to just observe that and think about what that means for how technology and AI can impact uh, the human race and people who are lonely, people who want somebody else to talk to. Another example that I mention all the time is that is it comes out of the hospitality sector where there's a prominent hotel in Las Vegas, I'll, I'll leave it nameless, and they did an experiment with Alexa. This was a couple of years ago. This is pre-pandemic, where they put a smart speaker in each room of the hotel and put a card with it and, and basically engineered a situation where everybody coming into a hotel room can ask, you know, the stock four, five, six basic questions that everybody has. Can I make a wake-up call? When is breakfast? When is checkout? What food do you have? You know, where's the remote? They took those stock questions that everybody asks and they made it to where you can ask Alexa those questions in the room when you're there. And uh, what happened next was pretty predictable. They observed precipitous declines in calls to the front desk equivalent to two full-time employees worth of phone calls. So uh, that's two full people that in effect, they didn't need to employ anymore because those calls were no longer coming in to the front desk. And as you can imagine, businesses that have entire call centers, whether they're electronics businesses, banking, different types of businesses that have customer support have been revolutionized totally by conversational AI and some of the things that that brings to the table to streamline operations and efficiencies and reduce cost ultimately, as well as increase customer satisfaction because you're on the phone less and that time you're on the phone is more meaningful and impactful. So these are uh, some areas that I kind of gravitate to when I'm discussing it. But the fact of the matter is that if you were to name any particular industry vertical, I could tell you right now, at least some number of ways that voice and AI is reshaping that field. It is really interesting to look at how voice technology is impacting our life and the business and the, the whole world in this way. It's really interesting to get to know the, the research result you just shared with us. Bradley, what would you say to the folks on the other side of that where they might say, well, AI is 
taking away jobs from people, causing unemployment. Yeah, I mean, the fact is that, you know, we've seen this cycle in, play out in human history before, uh, several times over at this point. The most frequent examples are horse and buggies replaced by cars. You know, people lost their jobs. But we ended up better off uh, in most people's eyes. Elevator operator, able to put buttons in there that a normal person can interpret and push rather than a bunch of levers. So the elevator operator gone, you know, so a lot of people lost their jobs there. But that was just reflective of a construction and building industry that ultimately created more jobs, not less. So the list of examples is long of where in a micro situation, people lose their jobs and have to be reskilled. But ultimately, the societal gain is net positive. And, um, you know, it's an easy thing to sit here and say if it doesn't affect you. uh, Sure. But um, the fact is, it's out of anyone's control. There's nothing that anybody can do about it. And so all you really can do at that point is just know what's coming down the pike. And so that's the way I look at it. And that's how I would respond to that sort of conversation. Okay, I see. I think this is also the reason why you start up your business from the very beginning, which also keeps you at the, at the uh, first front of the uh, advanced technology. Then the next, we understand that you are always actively engaged in a lot of conferences and events talking about voice technology and conversational AI. Could you share with us some of the recent highlights, some interesting research and topics, something that might uh, still stay as a concept, but shows a very promising future? Yeah. So Project Voice 2022 is the number one event for voice and AI in America. Not so shameless plug, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's coming up in late April. And some of the things that are going to be on the docket there. So there's going to be uh, an executive there from National Geographic that's done a lot of work, basically emphasizing the need to preserve culture and heritage within these conversational AI and voice systems. Just to give you an example, if you ask a voice assistant for a recipe, the voice assistant can give you a recipe and just sort of show it to you. Or depending on your context, if you are Hispanic, maybe the voice assistant gives you not only a tailored recipe for your ethnicity, but maybe it's a Hispanic speaker and voice narrating that recipe, maybe coming on video, helping you cook the recipe. And while you're cooking the recipe, telling you about some stories out of that culture or sharing some oral tradition that uh, really enhances that experience and takes it to somewhere totally different. That's what this particular woman in National Geographic are thinking about right now. And they're going to be sharing that at Project Voice. Another issue that's a hot topic and has only continued to become more of a hot topic than it was even a couple of years ago is the Washington Post will be at Project Voice in April. And they will be talking about, you know, there's a reporter there whose name is Alexa. And she wrote basically the seminal article on the impact that Amazon naming Alexa has had on women and girls named Alexa. 
the first thing it did is since 2016, when the technology came, I really was late 2015, but 2016 is kind of the main year into 2017, it killed the name Alexa. Nobody named their children Alexa from that point forward for the most part. And that's interesting uh, and worthy of debate. But people who were already named Alexa, there had been situations involving bullying and other kind of negative outcomes with this technology being named this human name that more and more people are now talking about. And that's going to be a conversation that continues at Project Voice as well, uh, because that's just going to happen over and over again. It, you know, we're going to be surrounded by AIs and, you know, some of them are going to have human names because people are going to think that that's clever. And what's it going to mean? So it's good to talk these things through now, even though the likelihood of Amazon renaming Alexa is perceived as pretty low. So those are two examples of, of several different hot topics and, and relevant frontiers that'll be shared there and it's exciting to see and be part of so no more little girls name alexa <laughs> pretty much no not in the united states which is where the name i believe was most dominant and there's people who track this the government tracks it to some degree uh yeah the name uh fell off a cliff <laughs> so your score publishing purchased the rights to the digital book world a few years back in doing so, what were your goals and what really intrigued you about the publishing business and its utilization of voice technology? Yeah. You know, the thing that intrigued me the most about the acquisition of Digital Book World was the opportunity to turn what was a proud institution that had over time become stale and in decline around. And uh, I've been interested in publishing a long time. Consequently, really interested in cultivating the conversations around the intersection of publishing and technology and really wanting to share some responsibility for stewarding those. And the digital book world acquisition was a perfect opportunity to try to accomplish that. And in the interim period of time, since we acquired it, we absolutely have turned it around. You know, the pre-COVID conferences we did were sold out and the virtual stuff we've done during COVID has been very influential and impactful. And now we have made the decision to move Digital Book World out of Nashville, which is where we originally moved it from New York, and we're moving it back to New York, and we're moving it back to its original season, which was January. So in January, 2023, it's just gonna be a real special kind of revival of the in-person digital book world and, um, Tons of topics. Obviously, there's a lot going on involving technology and publishing, and that desire for community within this industry is high, and uh, we're expecting a great event. So that's what we were trying to accomplish, and by several measurements, we have accomplished it, but we're going to keep going because coming out of the pandemic, we need, in many ways, just to get back to square one and uh, act like we're doing it all over again, and we're going to do exactly that. Bradley, it's really great. We really appreciate the time you spend with us today and for all the interesting questions we have been talking through. And at the end of each interview, we have uh, signature questions as a convention to end up our interview, to which we would like to have your quick answer to. So if you are ready, uh, we're going to bring on the first one. I'm ready. Okay, then perfect. 
So as a frequent speaker uh, who is active in conferences, various organizations, events, so what is the best way for you to get relaxed? You know, I'm a longtime gamer. So, you know, gaming is a way I relax. You know, I love spending time with my wife and son. That's kind of a given, but gaming is a way to just sort of free the mind and think about something else for a while before you come back to whatever's pressing. So that's, uh, that's, that's what I do. Could you share the top three games for you? Oh, yeah, I'm happy to. Uh, so, you know, uh, shooters are high up there. I play COD, you know, Call of Duty and PUBG, which is another one. RPGs, uh, I'm playing a game. It's a little bit more esoteric right now called Tales of Arise. And uh, in all this infinite free time I have, you know, it takes me a better part of six to nine months to play through an RPG that somebody else might play through in a couple of days. And then, um, you know, I never got into Wordle, uh, the game that's on social media, the word game, but there's been a word game I play on my phone off and on called Ruzzle uh, mm -hmm. that I really enjoy too. So I could easily recommend any of those for someone looking for something. Oh, all sounds so interesting. So would you tell us two people in history, whether they're around now or they're past, that you would like to invite to dinner? Yeah, so I'm a Christian. Uh, Jesus Christ, I would love to speak to. You know, I'd, I'd have a lot of real interesting conversation, um, a lot of questions, and it would be great to share that experience. And then alive. Um, some of the top technology folks, I, I would just find it interesting to, to see what makes them tick. People like an Elon Musk or a Bezos, um, I, I would find them interesting. So I'd probably leave them. I'll, I'll give you I'll give you those three as opposed to just two. But uh, it'd be fun to, to have any of those conversations. Wonderful. I imagine a dinner with any one of them would be very interesting and inspiring. And then the last question, uh, Bradley, could you share one of your favorite phrases in the English or any other languages you speak? Uh, you know, so I'm born and raised in Birmingham, Alabama. And uh, w when I was college age, I moved to Nashville, Tennessee for college. So, I, you know, I've been in and around the South my whole life. So, you know, I, I say y'all all the time. And people... Um, Sometimes act like it's normal. Sometimes they don't, but uh, it doesn't change anything. I'm going to keep keep saying it anyway. And to me, it's a welcoming, a friendly word. And um, and so that that would be one of. It's not a phrase, but I guess it is a phrase. You all, but uh, you know, abbreviated. But uh, that would be what I would say. Could you do a um, southern accent? I I used to, you know, and it's funny. Uh, like in home videos when growing up, like I had a real deep Southern accent. And it was in growing up in, in the public school I went to that uh, got rid of it. Um, and I pretty much don't have it anymore, but uh, it would be hard for me to duplicate it now. That's really good. Thank you so much for your time, Bradley. Luna, Dwayne, I appreciate y'all. Thanks for uh, having me on the show. If people are interested in voice and AI, Project Voice in Chattanooga, Tennessee will be where they want to go, you know, prior to COVID. Amazon, Google, Microsoft, and Samsung were all the presenting sponsors of that. And then this event that we're having in late April 2022 will be a very good one as in-person stuff continues to come back. And then Digital Book World, of course, is something that anybody ought to attend. And 
we'll have a little virtual thing that we'll do later this year in preparation for kind of resetting the schedule with January 2023 being in New York City and in person again. So anybody listening to this, I would encourage you to go check out one or both of those if you found this interesting. Subscribe to Colopatech Population Radio in whatever podcasting app you listen to, or get this podcast delivered to your inbox by subscribing to Colopatech's newsletter. It's free and easy to sign up. The link is in the episode notes. Special thanks to Nello Colopatech, Marian Belling, Bjorn Burher, Angie Heinrich, Stefan Kaufer, George Logan, and Mark Wintel for making this episode possible. Leave us a message on Twitter, LinkedIn, or email us at podcast at clopatech.com. This is Clopatech Publishing Radio. I'm Dwayne Paris. I'm Luna Tan. Thank you for listening.